Welcome everyone to another podcast of Modern World Zen. This is Josh Barzell. So today we're going to talk about this, um, the idea of recognizing yourself. And we could call it sort of self-discovery. Um, and we could call it sort of self-knowledge or the path of knowledge. And generally, all of these things start through, we get a clue about ourselves from someone or something along our journey. And this hint is sort of called, um, well, this sort of hint is called grace. And when we receive grace, we, we may not know have full knowledge at the time of everything that's occurring to us. But we're going to see a glimpse into ourself from grace. And this allows us to begin our journey of self-discovery. That's how it usually, that's how it usually happens. So there's no real, people get confused on like instantaneous enlightenment. It's true in a sense, you can experience a state of enlightenment instantaneously, that's called grace. But to really be enlightened, you have to start to follow the path of self-discovery, I mean, you could call it the path of enlightenment, um, to reach the goal of full um, self-realization. And we've talked about it before on these podcasts, and really it's just an it's something that never goes away once you attain it. You always remember and always know who you are, regardless of your circumstances. Um, you would know it just as much as you would know your own name. So we, we start with grace. And it is said in the Shiva Sutra Vimarshini, that, quote, the guru is the grace bestowing power of God, end quote. So we can understand that the guru is the one who bestows grace. Uh, and through that grace, we walk on the path towards this permanent, full realization. It's not going to be a realization of a different truth. It's going to be a realization of the same truth. But it takes... A long time to get there um, and it's said that it's very difficult to do so but we're not going to get into the difficulty right now all right so where are we at here well we're going to talk about the grace itself is going to be like that quote the guru is the grace bestowing power of god the grace is actually going to be a part of God. So the grace is going to be an aspect of God. And we're going to realize God through that aspect of God. You know, and we talked about this before, where, you know, if you feel Kundalini, you're feeling God. If you're feeling love, you're feeling God, right? So that's the only way we can know him, through a feeling that we have, right? 
we can see him and that we're very lucky to have a vision of God. But we're really not even going to know if it was a vision or not unless we can feel something. And even then, we would still need the grace of a great being to help us um, realize what we had experienced, too. So that means that the actual touch is the source of the world, right? If the touch is God, then the touch or the grace we get is the source of everything. It's the source of existence. It's what brought the world into being. And um, that means that the seer and the seen are both that same consciousness or grace. Right? I use a lot of terms interchangeably, as you've probably noticed, but uh, that's really how it goes. And if you have you know, any problems with that, you can let me know. But the terms are interchangeable. Consciousness, God, grace, kundalini. And, um, and so we realize that there are no limits to the, um, to, to the grace or to the consciousness, right? There's no limitations in consciousness or in Kundalini. If you don't understand that, you can think of that in terms of God. There are no limitations in God. So... She's, uh, and we talk about grace in the feminine. So we can say, you know, she transcends everything. Right? So we're going to look, try to look for that in our life. And we're also going to understand that that same essence is what makes us enlightened. Um... And the enlightened being knows that the universe is just a play of that same force or energy. So now we can get into some of the philosophy of, uh, of the East. And that's this idea that the universe is a play of that, say, Shakti or Kundalini energy and so they're separate the world and spirit but they're also uniquely one right it's sort of like threads in a cloth um, the cloth is never not made up of threads and the threads are always in the form of the cloth so that means that the consciousness is always in the form of the world. It's never separate from the world. And yet the world is nothing but consciousness. And this is scriptural. This isn't my teaching. So, um, <clears throat> so that means that we can, when we see all of these objects, um, then we understand that we're really just seeing the mind. Because when the mind contracts and becomes something, I'm sorry, when consciousness con contracts and becomes something, it just becomes the mind. Now we can see the mind through sort of individuation or individual objects, 
And then when we see the mind, right, we can see the individual, right? So it's a little different way of getting to the individual from the universal consciousness. But once we see the mind, then we can see the individual. And this is the state of bondage. This is the normal state. It's not the enlightened state. It's the state of bondage. So, um, and we know this uh, from our own experience. Um, very common state of individuation. All right, so moving on. Um, in that state of individuation, we have the idea that there are many sort of philosophies and sects and religions. And each one has its own description of God. And that's just the way it is. Right? We've talked about that before. And... But what happens with this grace is the individual, through grace, has the experience of being God. So it has the experience of being um, unlimited from limited. And that's that touch I was talking about. And then once, once the person sort of gets, that once the individual gets the touch, that begins their their quest right it's not sort of an instantaneous enlightenment it's just grace um, we talked about grace just about a few minutes ago it's the source of the world right so that begins our walk uh, towards enlightenment so just to sum up really quickly we have a universal consciousness we have a contraction say, with an individual object, which becomes mind, defined by the scriptures. The mind is associated with the individual being, right? The individual being, through grace, experiences his or her expanded state of uh, sort of universal consciousness, or unlimited, an unlimited state. And then contracts again to become the mind, the individual, and then that being, having experienced that state, uh, begins to walk on the path towards a permanent understanding of oneself as God. So, that's essentially the process of meditation. So with meditation, we turn within, we find our Lord within us, and we get in contact through prayer, through chanting, and we become absorbed in our God. So meditation is really just an amazing, amazing, amazing sadhana. And um, it is said there's no sadhana higher than meditation. So that's really the beauty of meditation. 
And so when we when we're in meditation, we see our true self. And so um and we also can recognize that we are actually the same as the universe. Right? Just in worldly terms. It's not really the state of bondage, but we can recognize ourselves as as the universe. Right? Um, it's not really enlightenment, but you can see yourself, you know, as a part of everything else that you see around you. Not, not, not seeing any sort of duality at all. Right? So, you can still attain enlightenment from that state through bliss. Now, the difference between an enlightened being understanding that he's a part of the universe and a being that is bound or in bondage is the being that is in bondage and recognizes that he's a part of the universe is not feeling any bliss. He's not ecstatic. He's probably not feeling very well, to be honest. But that's why we do all of this stuff. That's why we meditate and do all of these things. So that's the main difference. The two understandings are probably identical. They both see themselves as a part of the world. But the enlightened being is going to feel ecstatic. And that's just the understanding that the inner self is one with the universal consciousness and the all-pervading God. So... And what happens is you could say, well, that's a great result. You're blissful. But how does, how does that happen? Well, it happens because the touch, the awakening is bliss. That's how you, that's how you would feel it. Most people, when they say, I, had a, I saw Jesus in a vision or I had this, they're feeling very blissful. They can feel it in like every pore of their body, right? They have these experiences. The true experiences are like that. And so you'd say, okay, so that's the bliss, but then I didn't feel it again. Well, that's what I was saying. We, that's how we start our journey towards this state of bliss. And that's why you would feel bliss when you're enlightened, because the beginning is bliss and the end is bliss. Right? It's just somewhere in the middle that we did our work, that cleared out our issues, purified ourselves so that we become the image of bliss. And so any enlightened guru is going to be the image of bliss um, because he or she has received the touch, felt the bliss, and then eventually became uh, the bliss. So how does, this process be how does this process begin? Well, we talked about the grace, the initial grace, and then the grace itself changes the body, changes the mind. It unfolds. The kundalini is like a serpent. So that's why it's described. And it unravels inside us. We get the seed of shakti. Or kundalini. And then the seed expands in us. Through our sadhana of regular meditation. 
and brings about us to um, eventually become that same bliss. So we're talking about consciousness and um, this is the same force that creates the world. So you could say, well, how does one become God? Right? Well, if the inner self um, is God, if the inner self is consciousness and has the same properties of God, namely creation, destruction, right? Then we can understand that by merging into God in our meditation, we do become God. But the idea is that he's never, he never really was not God. And hopefully you can understand that, right? Because you don't really, you're not really attaining anything new. You know, if you're having, a, if you have a vision of God, you've had, you've had a vision of your own self, truly speaking, right? Bliss is within, not outside. So if we see God, we're really seeing our own self. And this is a very advanced sort of idea. And so even if you're not aware that you're God, you still are God. And even if you don't understand it, you still are God. Um, because nothing but God exists, right? The creation is God and you're a part of that creation. So nothing can exist without God. You know, I did a podcast a while ago on evil with Gabby Weiss. And the idea there is, you know, the question was sort of like, how does, how do these demons arise? Or how does evil exist in a world that's nothing but God? And the idea is that the evil is arising from God also. It's not separate. It's not separate from God. And you have to have a really big heart to understand that. That's, you can't understand it with a small heart. You have to have a very big heart to see that. And so, because that's the truth. So anyway, thanks everyone for uh, tuning in today for another podcast of Modern World Zen. Hopefully this has been enlightening for you. And we will have uh, more podcasts to follow. So again, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and um, see you again next time. This has been Josh Barzell for Modern World Zen.